0: This is Dr. Ida Ubuntu-Chan. Welcome to the Dr. E Show, a show exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities in areas like health and wellness, science and spirituality, quantum biology, and conscious living, so that together we can awaken the best of ourselves and create our most joyful and fulfilling lives. My guest today is Kelly Noonan-Gores, director of the game-changing and paradigm-busting film, Heal. Her film takes us on a scientific and spiritual journey exploring the power of our thoughts, emotions, and beliefs in influencing our health and healing. Kelly is a lifelong seeker of truth who has explored meditation, yoga, mind-body healing modalities for decades. And it shows. Her film is a stunningly beautiful feast for the eyes, ears, mind, emotions, and soul. It features a jaw-droppingly star-studded cast of the greatest luminaries of our time, including Deepak Chopra, Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, Marion Williamson, Joe Dispenza, Kelly Turner, Anita Morgiani, Michael Beckwith, and oh my goodness, the list goes on and on like this. So I think after today's conversation, you'll see why I'm so crazy gung-ho about her film. So please help me in welcoming the director of the number one best-selling documentary that is bursting hearts and minds open all around the world, Kelly Noonan Gores. <laughs> Welcome, you. Kelly. Thank you so much. Wow, that was an amazing introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm the hugest fan, as you can tell, of your movie. Um, We were just chatting a little bit before. You know, I think a movie like that, your movie was packed with so much great scientific information. But what's amazing is that you took us on this beautiful experiential journey. The feelings that we experience, Mm. you know, the heart melting moments, the tears you took us on a journey where we actually experience this state, this possibility, not just know about it. <sighs> so can we go back to the beginning? What inspired you to take on a big project like this? Because it is an epic film and a huge project. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, You know, it was just a series of events throughout my life that led to this, I can only describe it as like a calling. Um, I was really pulled to do the film um, about, it started about 10 years ago now. I was thinking about the film for about seven seven years before I was ready to do it. but just a series of events that like got me more and more fascinated with the ability of the human body to heal um, the intelligence of the human body the the human body as kind of like a microcosm to the to the universe um, you know there's it, there's not one event so uh, it's hard to like for you you had that amazing experience when you were 4 years old with the with the chinese medicine you know mm-hmm. practitioner um that always stuck with you and i think you know uh it was just little events like that and little books that i read and teachings throughout my life at different times that just kept me in this awe state about what's possible you know and then um all of these teachers that i put in the film had empowered me you know starting 10 15 years ago and just you know I just I really wanted to share the tools that they they taught me with they armed me with um, because so many people were getting sick like more and more i mean it's it's crazy to me how how common cancer is yeah. these days you know uh, and all these autoimmune diseases it's, it's it's not right it's not normal that so many people are sick so um I just really wanted to empower people with information, you know, and there was like, I read Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton about 10 years ago, eight years ago. Yes. And I remember thinking, oh my God, everybody needs to know this. You know, we are, we thought we we were walking around feeling like we're victims of, you know, our genes or some mystery fate, you know, but actually our lifestyle choices, our beliefs, our thoughts and emotions all really... Dictate what's happening in our in our biology and you know can help or cause us to be ill or help us to heal. So
0: So why didn't you just write a book? I mean a film is a huge Undertaking what gave you the oomph the guts the fire in the belly to take on such a big project? Yeah, I guess because
1: film is a medium that I knew uh, I was comfortable with because I grew up acting I grew up in Southern California, so I'd been on sets. Um, Film, to me, always, I'm fascinated with documentaries. I love learning, Um, and film really is a powerful, it's a powerful medium, you know? I feel like it sticks with people. So a book, again, it's like experiential, like you said. So um, it's my first time directing. I kind of learned as, as I went along, but, I, I can't describe it. There was just this fire and this calling that was like, this movie needs to be made with all of these teachers that I love yes. reading about, you know, um, going to conferences and listening to them speak. And I was, and I really wanted sort of a medium that people could just watch over and over to sink these new, a new kind of way of thinking and outlook into their subconscious. <laughs>
0: So what was it like reaching out to everybody? Did you already have that network baked in in your community? Or did you have to make a lot of new connections to create this film? Because it is stunning, the star-studded cast that you created.
1: It was pretty phenomenal. And it it was a really cool experience because for the first time, I was really like... Paying attention to what lit me up and lit my spirit up, I mean, just like you, you come to life when you talk about the potential and the possibility of you know the human body and the mind and, and health in general and wellness super wellness. Um, so I started to pay attention like what really like gave me energy when I s- talked about it, and it was this mind body connection and the power of the mind um, and our beliefs to create changes in our life for the better um, so You know, I didn't know any of these people personally. I I had gone to Agape many times um, to listen to Michael Beckwith. I had taken classes with him, but I I wasn't. I didn't. He didn't know me by name or anything. Um, So I just started. Once I listened to that kind of calling and that passion, everything just flowed. I had this real sense that it was just going to work out. So I just. It was. It was a real. Surreal experience, but um, again, I I highly encourage people to follow their heart and that passion because that's that's like our signpost that we're going down the right path, you know, and things just start to line up. So, I I went to a conference called Celebrate Your Life Conference where a lot of these teachers were going, a a lot of the experts in the film were speaking, Mm -hmm. and I just approached them after each of the talks and I, you know, made contact with them or their assistant, and then I sent them my. Um, vision, my pitch deck for the film. And, you know, one by one, they started saying yes. And it was just like really amazing.
0: Tell us about this whole following your heart, following your passion thing, like listening to that feeling of joy and excitement. We Mm -hmm. all love hearing that. But why is that so hard to practice in real life? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that people it's conditioning. It's really having this belief that, you know, security and safety and, and routine and, and that, that paycheck is going to keep us happier. You know, that, that security, I guess. Um, but, you know, I feel like that, I don't know. I just, it's hard to explain, but I, I love like the stories. I'm so inspired by all of the stories of, especially like radical remission stories of people yes. that are diagnosed with late stage cancer, are sent home to hospice to get their affairs in order. And that's when they have the permission to do what they love doing because they have this short period of time left. And, you know, there's so many cases where they start to do things that they love. They start to spend time in nature. They start to you know, play the violin again, you know, when they did as a kid and they loved it or whatever it is, or travel the world. And all of a sudden, because of that joy and alignment with their passion and purpose, their body has this metamorphosis and and heals. So there is something to, you know, listening to your heart, finding what it's, it's vitality. It's chi, it's energy. It's like the more you can, follow what it is that like calls you in your heart, the more you're just allowing that chi to flow and energize. And, and that's going to you know, help your body heal.
0: I love that. Um, is, what's her name? Elizabeth in your film, yeah. that her intention going to that spiritual healer was just not to be afraid to die. Uh, isn't that- and then it turned into this crazy, beautiful journey with so much depth and soul. And then she healed. I know. Oh, she was surrendering to the death process. Exactly. And ultimately, that led to her healing.
1: Exactly. She wasn't. She didn't believe it was possible to have a different outcome than what the doctors were telling her was common. Um, so she she started working with a spiritual psychologist to because she was afraid to die, you know, and, and she wanted to you know share her story and, and help other people. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool what what came
0: out of it. So, when you're at a party, let's say before this film, when you're at a party, what is like one little scientific fact that you often like to bring up to get people to start thinking about the mind body spirit connection? Somebody who's, let's say, a total skeptic. What's something that is just like always bursts people's minds open?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, I you know the skeptics I always go back to to science you know and um I talk about I would say my go-to is is epigenetics because it's so it's the science that says you know our our lifestyle choices and our perception of life um are what turn on and off genes so we could have you know our mother could have passed away from heart disease and we might be kind of um what is it, you know, susceptible or, or prone to that condition. But if we're making healthy lifestyle choices, and if we have a positive, healthy outlook on life, then, you know, we're, we're not activating that gene. We're not turning that off. And there's so much science to prove that. The other one I love is um, when all the studies and research that they've done on meditation, because I think meditation is such a great... Just tool for anybody and everybody, and, and, and it's free, and um, it, it just does remarkable things with your body and your mind, um, is when, when you know, they J- Joe Dispenza in the film talks about when they study um, groups meditating mm-hmm. for four days, and at the end of those four days, their IGA levels we're like through the roof and IGA is your body's natural defense against bacteria and virus. So if you just imagine if, that if you're meditating every day and you have that practice, you're building up this natural defense against pathogens in your environment. And you're, you're going to be way less susceptible to outside, you know, in flu season or whatever. And I just think like for you to be able to activate your own pharmacy within by doing something like meditation, um, is like mind blowing. And again, it's scientifically backed.
0: Yeah. My clinic in San Francisco, my Chinese medicine clinic is called Dantian Wellness. Have you heard that term Dantian before?
1: I have from Wayne Dyer. And is it, is it, uh, or no, maybe it's, it was a,
0: a meditation. I've, I
1: have heard it before.
0: It's the Chinese term for chakras, but Dan Tian literally means the field of medicine. So, in the Qigong tradition, they talk about how we are the medicine. We have the medicine factory within. Our energy centers it's just a matter of learning how to go deeply within to cultivate that medicine from inside out, and I thought that was such a beautiful name for a holistic wellness center that deals with mind-body medicine, and some people said, "Hey, you're going to name it this weird Chinese name, you're going to have to explain it to everybody." And you know, decade plus later and thousands and thousands of conversations later, I never got sick of explaining it. because that's it's so great. Life, you know.
1: Yes. Don And it's so simple, you know, it's beautiful.
0: So here's something that comes up in conversation because the movie, The Secret, Mm -hmm. which was, it was made many years ago. How long ago was that? I feel like it was 10 years ago. There's The Secret. And then before that, that was like, what the bleep? Those are big kind of like landmarks in Mm -hmm. our culture that turned us on to this idea of mind-body connection and that our consciousness influences our physical reality. Mm. The downside of that is that, maybe you've noticed this too, we were such rookies at playing with that interconnection that a lot of times we fake positive. We fake positive thinking. We go into denial about those deeper wounds and traumas. We just suppress it. Like, oh, happy-go-lucky, everything is great, and then it backfires. Correct. Can you talk with us about that dance of tapping into the positive healing realms of our mind-body connection, but also not shoving aside the negative, the dark parts, the shadow parts?
1: Yes. Um, It is so important what you're talking about because... I don't feel especially in Western society, I don't feel like um wherever there's no manual for being a human you know you learn you kind of learn from your environment as a child from ages zero to seven, you're just kind of downloading all this information from your environment, which is the majority of your parents or caregivers um, and that becomes the software programs that we run on so uh nobody's ever really taught or very few people are taught how to process their emotions in a healthy way, so you know. I believe or what I what I've learned is that there's three kind of ways that people deal with their emotions, they negative emotions that they're not comfortable with feeling. They consciously suppress them, like you know, I'm a yogi. I don't I don't want to feel anger, so you push that down because that's not okay and I'm like peaceful and namaste, you know? <laughs> Someone cuts you off in traffic. That's like you're suppressing it and like pushing it under the rug. Yeah. Or you have a trauma happen to you when you're 12 years old and it's too painful for your body and mind to handle, so you, your, your subconscious mind just represses that to the point where you might even not remember it. You know, to to kind of save you. To, it's like a survival mechanism, really.
0: I've heard uh, Sergeant interrupt, I've heard Bruce Lipton share that only five percent of our consciousness is conscious; that ninety-five percent is subconscious. So yes. That's- most of
1: it. Yeah. So, and we're not, it's subconscious. So we're not even aware that we have these beliefs or programs, you know, or these things tucked away that may still be affecting us energetically. Um, so, or you can escape like as an adult or even, you know, younger, you can escape through, you know, extreme obsession with exercise or food or, Alcohol or cigarettes or whatever your vice of choice is, um, just to kind of numb yourself and not deal with the emotions. But again, it will build, 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 and eventually come out physically or emotionally. Um, So to learn how to let go of negative emotion is a big part of healing. I'm actually really, um, I I got turned on to a book called Letting Go by David R. Hawkins. I don't know if you've heard Mm -hmm. of it, but it's amazing for anyone that's, that needs a tool of, um, or a practice of how to let go of negative emotions. Um, in the moment, it's really fascinating, um, and life shifting, but, uh, also, you know, beyond emotions, beyond the negative emotions, once we can like, uh, if we're resisting, that's taking away energy from our bodies. It's, it, it takes energy to, to resist something. So if we're not dealing with an emotion, we're burning energy all the time, trying to like keep it suppressed or keep in denial or whatever. So that's making our blood not flow as well. It's it's resistance is blocking the flow of life energy, et cetera, mm-hmm. as you know very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's there's learning to process and release negative emotions. There's also becoming aware of the programs in your subconscious mind that are running your life, which is again 95% of the time. So a lot of people are, have this kind of loop loop program that I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. Whatever it is, they have this subconscious belief and perception of life that they are not good enough the way they are, you know? Um, some, or I'm not worth it, or some belief in inadequacy that they picked up as a kid. Uh-huh. So that perception of life is then going to cause circumstances in your life to be stressful, which then puts your body, it's a negative limiting belief that will put your body in a state of cr- chronic stress. So what we want to do is start to become aware of whatever these limiting negative subconscious beliefs are that we've picked up along the way, Become aware of them and then shift them and start to exercise the muscle of positive, you know, belief in potential and belief in a supportive, loving universe or God or whatever terminology you use. Um, and then the third aspect is, you know, they talk about, especially Kelly Turner in her book um, and her research with uh, cancer survivors, late stage cancer survivors, radical remission. She talks about it's important to release suppressed emotions, negative emotions, and it's also important to um, increase positive emotions. So when you do both of those things, when you release that, that stagnant energy of the negative emotions, and then you increase positive emotions, you're unstucking your body um, and your energy and your life force, and, and you're then releasing life-sustaining and life-giving chemicals through increasing positive emotions like joy, gratitude, compassion, love. So they all have profound effects on the body. And it's, you know, that's kind of the, the trifecta is really becoming aware of subconscious beliefs that are running your lives, really trying to release negative emotions that are pent up, and then, you know, increasing your positive emotions. It's a good, it's a good combo.
0: Sometimes that's easier said than done. Totally. In our world, we all love that, what you're talking about. We all want it, but our world is filled with a lot of forces that work the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for creating the optimal supportive environment on this kind of a holistic mental, emotional, spiritual healing journey? How do we create the support system around that?
1: Yeah, it's really, I mean find your community, find your people that think the way you do and that are loving and supportive, you know, community is so important. Um, obviously a spiritual practice that will strengthen your belief about life in a positive way. Um, you know, and then find, find something that to, to help you release that negative emotion. You know, a lot of people, there's so many different modalities. There's enough, there's as many modalities out there as, as individuals, you know, so find what works for you. And, and so it's, it's practice. It's a practice, you know, especially by the time we become conscious of these things, usually people are a little later in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, hopefully most people are like living it up in their twenties and may not start to self-reflect until the thirties or forties or fifties or whatever. Um, So just it's finding that community of your like-minded people or finding your spiritual community that can teach you tools and practices that, you know, help you do those things, which is increase your positive emotions, release, suppress negative emotions and, you know, really shift your perception of life to one that is positive and supportive and, you know, one of possibility rather than, than limit.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's tricky. We're born into certain family patterns and are I'm so grateful for your film because a lot of my clients and patients have actually referred their disagreeing mm. family members to watch your film, to ask for requests, please, I am on this really serious healing journey to mm. deal with this supposedly incurable condition. And mm. I need you to support me and they watch your film and the family gets it. So thank you for that ripple effect that you're creating because it's one thing. And, and I'm blessed that sometimes they give my book also for that same reason, because it's, it's different when it's coming from a, a third party that is not kind of bogged down in the family drama. So I just want to tell you how grateful on behalf of so many of my clients and patients, thank you so much for that gift of creating leveling that conversation within the family dynamic.
1: Totally. And I mean, thank you for saying that. That's I mean that's that means that's the whole purpose of the film. So if if that can bring healing, but I, I understand, I mean, even I have many spiritual practices I do and I still like have to prepare walking into my parents' house and my parents are lovely. I mean, they're, you know, my, all my friends love them. They have, they're wonderful people, but it's just that dynamic and those tensions and the, the history. And, you know, it's like the triggers are right there. And um, so it's, yeah. You need tools. You need support.
0: (laughs) I mean, I would like to say, ultimately, we want to be so zen, so enlightened that we don't have those buttons and triggers anymore. We can walk into a room with lots of disagreeing family members and stay zen. But the truth is, most of us aren't that enlightened yet. Yeah. So I think we, um, until we get to that point, it, it takes a lot of courage and support system to create the environment where we can stabilize ourselves in that state of healing, where we can go deeply into those uncomfortable places to heal those deeper emotional blocks from our past. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, one of the biggest questions that I always get—I love to hear what you think—is why don't these good habits stick? you know, we all know meditation is great and going to nature and doing yoga and eating healthy, all these things. How, why don't they stick? And how can we make good habits stick better?
1: Ooh. Um, how come they don't stick? I think it's hard, you know, it's a great question. I think it all comes down to, again, these, the the beliefs you know um, about life and about yourself. So, if you have these negative, limiting subconscious beliefs that you're not aware of, again, running your show and and dictating your choices, then you may go on a yoga treat, or you may do a diet for 28 days. Um, but if you, you know, deep down, some still have this belief that you're not worth it, then you're going to make self sabotaging decisions. You know that that support that belief to make you right. You know, this is a deeper like psychological conversation, but I think that's part of it. And then I also think that going back to nature, you know, in ancient cultures, it was just, you know, they, they were aligned with the circadian rhythms that you talk about when you talk about, they're aligned with nature. They eat local. They, (laughs) um, you know, they eat with the seasons because that, that, that was all, they didn't have the technology to, to do otherwise. And they were very in tune with nature and its patterns and very aligned with that. Um, now, culturally, we're a culture of convenience. So we're totally disconnected from nature. A lot of us are. And so it's not ingrained in us that, you know, walking in nature or eating local and in season um, are good for us, you know? So we don't. if we don't feel we're, we're a convenient society, especially here. So if we don't see instant gratification of these, you know, miracle shifts, then we may fall off the wagon and go back to our self-defeating behaviors or whatever, you know what I mean? So, um, it's hard to quantify the, the results or the effects if we can't see them, you know, or if they're not as profound as when you went into the, the dark room meditation for 12 days. I mean, you, you, you had such a profound experience, you had to be changed. But if, you know, people are just trying out meditation on Headspace or whatever they can handle at the time, if, if that, if that shift isn't so profound, then we're just going to fall back. Most of us are going to fall back into our, into our old habits, you know,
0: Hmm.
1: that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, I, in my experience, sometimes we have those profound, very moving moments when we just go into nature, Mm -hmm. you know, just to watch a sunrise or sunset helps you to remember that we are a part of the cosmos and just how incredibly abundant and beautiful life is. Yes. And, and we, and and are a lot of, thank goodness for a movie like yours, but most of what we see on the screen is telling us about lack and, and mm-hmm. you, need to, you need a skinnier body or taller or whatever. Mm-hmm. You need this car or whatever. You need all these things external to yourself. And so we've, in my opinion, been programmed. Yes. And that programming maybe makes us profitable for certain industries. And that's not to blame the industries. That's what business is for you know, but we have to just remember that actually some of the most potent and powerful things in life are the things that are totally free and already innate within our humanness. Yes, exactly. already abundantly available in nature. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, right. And a lot of us are, you know, so far in our phones all day and distracted or so, you know, we don't, we don't give ourselves enough time to disconnect or we're so caught up in overstimulation of bad news or opportunities or you know um, apps or social media that's making us feel bad about ourselves. it's just this inundation of overstimulation, you know, so people don't have the attention spans to really commit to a simpler way right now. you know Does that make sense? They feel like we've been conditioned to to feel like we're going to miss out on something because we're getting so much information so fast so We really do need to break out of that disconnect so that we can realize. Yeah, so we can reconnect. Exactly.
0: That instant gratification thing is so interesting. I was just listening to an interview with Michio Kaku, a scientist and futurist. And he said it was he said many interesting things, but the thing that hit me was he said that one of the the tests that have most consistently predicted success. Lifelong success, however you measure success in kids, is when they're kids, they do something called the marshmallow test. Have you heard of this? No. Cool. The marshmallow test, they tell the kids, hey, you can have this marshmallow now. Or if you just hang out and wait for an hour, you can have two marshmallows. And then they follow the kids who take the one marshmallow now and get the heck out of there or the ones that have the patience they might jump up and down play little imaginary games and they're willing to just like be patient twiddle their thumb and then they get the extra reward later not that we should be feeding kids less and marshmallows (laughs) but you get the idea so then those kids that have that ingrained character of seeing a little bit longer term they are the ones that tend to be successful. And I think that being successful in our health and healing is no different. The willingness to have the patience to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I think things like meditation going into nature helps us to shift into that state easier.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Creating that space so we can slow down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And see that vaster perspective that, that I think a lot of times we're missing in life. Exactly. Um, One of the things that I notice is a lot of times people go to a personal development workshop or go to a yoga retreat and they get all blissed out, but then it goes back to the habits don't stick. So how can we hang on to those states more consistently? That feeling of inspiration and well-being Mm -hmm. and and that that blissful, joyful state, you know, we have like a, a personal growth seminar and we're, rah, 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 I'm, so, I'm totally going to do this. And then it just lands flat when we get home.
1: Right. Or we get caught up in our own family drama or the stress. I mean, everything's going so fast. It's easy to like knock us out of balance. I mean, I honestly, it's just practices to have, to create, continue to create that space or not it's just practices, healthy practices. Like for instance, if you get enough sleep and healthy sleep, like you teach us how in your book, um, that's going to make you less reactive, more focused. You're not going to have brain fog. So you can handle the stresses of the day better make, you know, higher... Brain choices, you know. Same with meditation, or same with your breath work. Your energizing breath work throughout the day. These are all little practices that are like defenses for all of the stuff that comes at you, whether it's on your phone or at work or at home. You know. Um, So I, I do feel like you need practices to create space and to keep your vessel and your brain and your mind in optimal function, so that you can handle and that that way you can maintain whatever lessons or bliss that you that you achieved at this retreat or or at a you know seminar because if you go and you experience that for for a weekend or for a week but then you're coming back and you're then you go back into bad healthy eating choices your vessel then you then you make poor decisions because your brain chemistry is going to be thrown off you're not getting sleep if you Go back to smoking cigarettes, whatever it is. You know, your chemistry is going to just fall back into that thing. So it's, it's really developing practices, you know, like you talk about. Meditation is a huge one. Breath work. Um, we both love gratitude work. All of those just keep your, keep your spirit, um, your mind sharp, uh, You less reactive, and, and just more able to handle all the stuff that is thrown at us every day.
0: Have so, you always been a health nut?
1: Um, no, I mean, growing up, you would be appalled. I'm, I'm shocked that I'm like highly functioning today because I grew up playing soccer year round and I was a very picky eater and I literally only ate fast food. I mean, I grew up on Taco Bell, McDonald's. Um, those are pretty much an In-N-Out burger. Those are the the things. I mean, I had Coca-Cola. My mom would be mortified. She would that she would appear to be a bad mom, but I was just so picky, you know, and we were always on the run because I was an actor as a child. So we were driving to auditions and driving to soccer tournaments. And so everything was on the road and we just didn't know better back then. You know, we didn't have the information that it was so unhealthy. I grew up on junk food too. Sorry, yeah. mom. To out us. <laughs> we're outing you. Um, and then I first started eating healthy. I first allowed green things to pass my lips. Um, I think in, in college, I went away, I lived in Spain for a year and I remember seeing a photo of myself at, um, on holiday break and I was just like, holy moly, who is that? Like I puffed up because I was drinking and eating, you know, cheese and whatever. Super inflamed. Super inflamed. So um, I started adopting the Mediterranean way of eating, which is easy to do in Spain. And I started walking 45 minutes to and from school the college i was going to and then um i started swimming and dropped all the weight never felt better and um and so that that cha- that changed my like diet perspective uh for sure and then i was i was always athletic so i you know in my 20s i would run i ran two marathons so i'd run and train and yeah i guess so i have always been conscious from that moment on when i started eating differently you know
0: I've noticed for a lot of my clients and patients, the real game changer is finding their why. Mm. When we have a conversation about, about, you know, your kids deserve you mm. to be
1: healthy. Yeah.
0: You know, a lot of times my patients say, you know what? I snapped at my kids and I didn't like me. I was like, well, was it after you ate too much gluten, <laughs> milk, sugar? And then they put two and two together. It's like my crappy eating the day before made me a less good parent that's mm-hmm. not okay with me it's so crazy. that's the big game changing moment for a lot of my clients is is to to connect their their health status with their reason for living like you we have to find that why yes. so what's your why to stay healthy and vibrant how do you what does that all align to
1: oh my gosh um I mean, I don't have children yet, so that's, <laughs> I can't say it's my children. Um, I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, life is meant to be, I, I just have this tremendous curiosity to find out what optimal living looks like, you know, and and that's not to say I don't, I'm I'm one of like a moderation, you know, I'll still. Have fun and drink too much wine with my girlfriends, you know, um, and but I'm conscious. It's like, do I want to feel good in the morning? I should probably stop, or do I have something important to do in the morning? So it's just finding that balance and and just really living. And um, so it's just this curiosity and kind of a passion for optimal living, you know, and really trying to get everything out of life, you know, um, and experience it in the highest degree we can and achieve my potential. Like I, I want to, I want to give back to the world. I want to make my mark on the world. I want to do something that helps people, inspires people, brings me joy while doing it. And, um, you know, it's a bit challenging as well. So it's that athlete in me, you know?
0: Yeah. I love it. You know, your film, I would have imagined it took 10 years to make, but I have heard that it took only like two years, one year of editing. Yeah. That is nuts to me. I mean, talk about high performance.
1: Yeah, we, uh, I had a
0: very, (laughs) I had a very ambitious,
1: um, schedule. We had a, we had a small budget and my husband has a very busy life. So he was like, okay, like how long is this going to take? And I'm like only a year, you know? Um, so I had a very ambitious, you know, vision of, okay, well, I'm going to follow people on real healing journeys because other films that I've seen in this kind of arena, were only talking head testimonials of how, you know, I already healed. And I kind of wanted to go on the journey so we could again, have that emotional experience. Um, and, and with that, you don't know, you don't know how long the journey is going to take or if they're even going to heal. So it's a risk, but I felt so in the flow. I was just like, it's going to work out. Like I'm guided to do this. It's going to work out.
0: So you followed those two ladies. Did you follow somebody else or they were the two you picked them and that was it?
1: So I wanted to do someone with cancer because it's just far too common and and mind blowing today. Um, How many people I hear about every week that are like, oh, this person, this person. I'm like, what is happening? Um, So cancer, I thought was important to cover. I wanted to follow a child. And because autism is so prevalent, we followed a, a boy who was born on the spectrum and with developmental disorders and uh, his mom actually healed him and is continuing to heal him with, with food. Yeah. So, um, and then the third, I wanted to do a veteran, this was my original vision, a veteran and and PTSD, because I know there's so many cool, you know, modalities that are helping people break out of that loop of, of the post-traumatic stress. Yes. So, but you know, for whatever the reason, the veteran wasn't lining up. But but it led to me finding Patty Penn, the EFT, the tapping practitioner that worked with Eva. Um, then I found Eva because she worked she worked with my husband, and she literally I I just noticed she had a rash on her hand, and I asked her what was going on. And normally I wouldn't ever pry. I would you know, and I just felt compelled to ask. And she said, I've been going to doctors for three years. Nobody knows what's going on. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Perfect. You know? Um, so she's, you know, autoimmune mystery illness. And then we it didn't end up, we weren't able to put the the boy with autism story in the film just because we had so much content and his was the least kind of mind body. It was it was a little bit more physical and microbiome and and, you know heavy metals and and all that stuff. So he's in the DVD extras or the iTunes extras. Um, he's amazing. So so yeah, and and again with the experts too. Like most of them said yes, but where there was a no, it led us to three more new people that weren't even on my radar. So it was really it was a really cool process, and it did take. We start. I hired my producer December of two thousand and fifteen, and then we released December of two thousand seventeen. So all in all, it was two years. But it was about a year and a half off and on filming. And then um, a year of that editing. Like, it, you know, we started editing before the end of the film.
0: Wow. For any audience that's, that's also pursuing a big dream, a big passion project, what's some advice you have?
1: Um, you know, I follow. I, I mean, for me, like follow your heart is like the first step like really pay attention to what is igniting like what do you light up talking about like that's your like flag going that's what you should be doing that's what you should be pursuing and really trust that you don't have that desire in your heart without the ability to see it through like that's just a spiritual belief that all of the big you know spiritual traditions have taught it's just like if you are given a desire in your heart you're also given the ability to realize it. So trust that. And then, you know, um, really get in tune with, you know, vibration, like it leads you. Um, and it's a fine line. I always, I haven't cracked this code. It's that fine line of being persistent. And then also really going, okay, well, I'm like, so focused on that path, but maybe this path over here is actually the right one. And the universe is trying to gently nudge you in that one by giving you a closed door here. So I haven't cracked that code yet. It's like, how long are we persistent on that closed door? Or do we step back and go, okay, maybe we should pivot this way. So it's really just kind of, again, being able to have a practice, whether it's walking in, in nature or meditating or both, you know, so that you can get the intuition downloads. And the guidance, you know, of what you're supposed to do, because I I really do feel like, you know, your body tells you if, if, if someone, if you meet with someone that you're supposed to hire and, and, you know, you, you get head to toe chills when they're talking about something and you really resonate with them, like follow that. If you meet with someone and you're just like, oh, I don't really like the way, you know, like vibrationally you'll either buy with someone or you won't, you know, so start starting to pay attention to that rather than just what's on the paper. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just uh, the other, the other big lesson, and I have my husband to thank for this, I grew up in a household where, you know, my father was military, my his father was military, and like mistakes weren't, they weren't you know, easily let go. It was like, we were in a rigid, like we're not allowed to make mistakes kind of thing. Uh My husband is very successful and he's just like, he has this mentality, like the more mistakes you make, the faster you're on, you're learning, you're learning so fast and look at it. Don't beat yourself up. I spent so many years beating myself up for spilling the milk at nine years old Uh that, you know, the like mistakes, everybody makes mistakes um, the faster you can pick yourself up and learn from it, then it's not a failure. It was just a mistake. And it was a part of the learning journey, right? Mm. So don't get stuck in that. Don't beat yourself up, make the mistake. And the faster you let it go and take the lesson and move in the right direction, you know, the more successful you're going to be. So be like, be gentle on yourself and, and don't dwell in the mistakes. Like just pick yourself up and keep moving, you know? Um,
0: Wow, that's a beautiful analogy for the healing experience too. In my book, I shared that getting sick, getting injured is we think is such a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but in your film, as we see, it, it, it became such a good thing. Yes. It became this journey of self discovery and deeper healing than could have ever been possible if people didn't if life didn't throw these curveballs at us.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of the experts talk about how their their patients or their clients are. They ninety nine percent of them look back and say that their illness that they overcame, um, or they didn't. You know, that was the greatest gift that happened to them because it led to this growth and transformation. You know, Uh, have you ever struggled with a
0: major illness in your life?
1: I haven't. Thank God. Um, I I was exposed to mold which I was 23 and I lived in a, an apartment that was very damp and I started to have like kind of some lung issues. And I'm looking up and I'm like, there's black spots on the ceiling. I'm like, I feel like mold is not good for you. So we moved out, but we never took care of it because again, I don't think people aren't educated on the fact that mold spores stay in your body and just infiltrate your system and wear down your immune system. Um, so 23 now, about, I'm 39 now. So 30, like four years ago, was the first integrative doctor I went to who found mold in my system? It had been in there for 12 years, if not more. Yeah. So we got we got that out with IV and and everything. He also I also tested positive for Lyme. You know, for the markers that mm-hmm. say you have Lyme disease. And at the time, I remember going, "Huh, okay, I can make a choice here and be really dramatic and go," because I wasn't having super acute sy- symptoms. I mean, I struggled with fatigue and afternoon slumps and brain fog, but I just chalked that up to any 20 to 30 year old in LA, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I, I just remember having that conscious moment, like, wow, I could call my mom and be like, oh my God, I have Lyme disease and like fall down this thing. But thankfully, again, I wasn't suffering from acute symptoms. And so I just made the decision, okay, well, let's just treat the mold. We'll see what gets cleared out, and, because Int- my, my doctor was like, look, you can afford to go to the best clinic in Germany. They'll put you on antibiotics for three weeks. Um, and and you know, thank God you can a- afford like the, the latest technology or whatever. And I go, I understand the, the effect that antibiotics have on your body, and I get that they could be life-saving when you're in an acute situation, but I'm like, I feel, you know, 85% fine. I feel great. So I'm just going to wait until I absolutely need that. And then we treated the mold for like six months, and then the lime just cleared out of my system as well. So,
0: oh, because yeah. your, your immune system wasn't fighting against one big thing, it could deal with the rest.
1: Exactly. And we were pumping it with, I was doing IVs of high doses of vitamin C and glutathione and... Just kind of was pulling out heavy metals, yeah. mold, and you know, whatever bacteria or was causing the lime to show up. So I'm grateful, yeah.
0: So, back to the film, I mean, you had so many amazing guests. What was the single most like, mind blowing experience that you witnessed on the journey? And maybe it wasn't, did it? Did all the best mind-blowing experiences make it to the film or do you still have some extras that that maybe you'll share with us later?
1: Yeah, well the good news is this I don't know how many of your followers are Hay House subscribers, but Hay House is the publisher for a lot of the experts in the film the book publisher so they have a mailing list and they do these online summits and we um, Have a deal with them. They're gonna release the full-length interviews of all the experts because we were only able to put like, you know, five to 10 minutes of each expert in the film, but we have 18 hours of interviews. So there, so we edited the full length interviews for people that want to take a deeper dive and hear what Jeffrey Thompson or Bruce Lipton or to hear their whole spiel, which I think is really cool. Um, So what was a, like, all the good moments ended up in the film, you know, I think. Um, Mind-blowing, life-changing. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. The Jeffrey Thomas is the acoustic. Yes. Sound. He. I remember. I have to be totally honest. When his title came out, as he was acoustic <laughs> wizard, <laughs> something. Acoustic I was like, wizard. who calls himself a wizard? And then I was like, he is a wizard. When it, we saw yeah. him at work with all his machines and how precisely, I mean, this guy is a genius. That was absolutely mind-blowing to me. I'm glad you said
1: that because I was going to say that. I interviewed Jeffrey Thompson. I asked him one question. He spoke for almost two hours and he ended with the quantum physics story of Schrodinger's cat or whatever in the box, like this, like mind-blowing. It was just our, We literally, my producer and I looked at each other, like our minds exploded. He's just a genius, this guy. And, and I, I really loved, I think it was a big aha moment when he has Eva on the table. I don't want to give too much away, but um, for him to be able to measure her autonomic nervous system her yeah. when, you know, with wrist sensors and sound to see when she's dropping out of sympathetic and going into parasympathetic, which is rest and repair, um, mutu- mutually exclusive. So you can't, be, you can't be stressed and repairing at the same time. Right. Um, and to see how she hit that place where she was going to cross over. And then she went back with nothing happening. She went back into the stress response. And because of her condition, I just thought that was so mind blowing, you know, for him to be able to measure that she just, she almost has a, uh, you know, like a faulty, it's obviously not a faulty nervous system, but it's like if she's never able to get into that restroom repair, of course her body's gonna start breaking down and expressing through the skin or having an overabundance of inflammation, you know? Yeah. And it, just, it broke my heart, but it's just so cool that he like can scientifically show that and then also heal people with sound by bringing them through their specific sound frequency into their restroom repair mode. It's so cool.
0: And that her story is so compelling because that moment in which she's doing EFT and they find find those deeper levels from her childhood. I have watched your film three times and I just bawled all three times in that moment because how many of us have had our innocence broken uh. in childhood. and, and, and we never had the support system to heal those mm-hmm. things sometimes. And, and we are like, you could see, she is such a wonderful, beautiful, good hearted, highly functioning, high achieving, capable human being, you know, yeah. and know. despite that kind of childhood is so moving.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's so heartbreaking every time I see it, because I, obviously know her and love her and it makes so much sense to inform who she is today because she's just you know she's a warrior she takes care of everybody else she does you know so many things and she just fights through it um and but just to hear her story is just like crushing every time I it gets me every time
0: I I was um Sort of heartbroken to hear she she kind of dropped the healing journey because it's so expensive and it it you know, insurance doesn't cover it. Can you yeah. comment on that and what what is what is like your future vision of how healthcare and our medical system can revolutionize itself to support this kind of healing that you're talking about?
1: Yeah. And I think too, there's so many you know, it is, it is intimidating, especially, you know, we kind of were the first ones to open up her eyes to p- perhaps some of these complementary or alternative, you know, treatments could help. And, and then it's just so overwhelming, which, which ones do I do? And then it's a commitment. Like, again, it's that, how do we quantify what it's really doing? Because she's been taking these meds for three years. Like how long, you know, what is that perfect combination of acupuncture, EFT, eating, breath work, you know, fine. It's, it's an expensive like trial and error, um, process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't have the time, the, the energy that, you know, she's a mother of two, she worked full time, mother of three. And, um, and to, to make that commitment or to, you know, to try out, especially if there's not some instant gratification, because again, it is a process to bring your body back into balance. If it's been out of whack for so long, you know? So, um, but she's, she's, she's open, she's on her journey. It's just, you know, different, different journeys, different different roads, you know, different timelines. So I think she's making huge strides. She's, she's actually not, no longer at her stressful job. Um, she's really focusing on her family and I, you know, now she has kind of some space, she's focusing on, her, focusing on herself again. So I have hope she's doing great. Uh, so, and then as far as cost goes, it's a common question that comes up in Q and A's I was just at Agape for their big revelation conference and Joe Dispenza was up there and someone asked about it Mm -hmm. and he had a great answer. He's like, you know, we live in an age of information and ignorance is a choice, you know? So he's like, now we got to take our power back into our hands. If you get a diagnosis, you got to go home and research everything you can about it and, you know, make choices. There's also, just like you said, we there are so many tools out there, ancient wisdom tools that you just need you, yourself and nature or you yourself in a quiet room to meditate, to do breath work, to to connect with nature, to do some earthing. So again, it's just, you start to just, I mean, if I got a diagnosis, I would just throw myself into the information and And if, if they say, you know, stress is, is, is part of the cause, well then throw yourself into researching, you know, find someone like you that can hold their hand through it. You know what I mean? There's so many resources for us now. And I feel like, you know, the intention of the film was to empower and wake up the individual so they can start doing that. So they wouldn't just take their doctor's diagnosis and prognosis as the one and only possibility and take their power back, you know, and then. As more and more people, more and more people wake up and are aware, they start asking different questions. They start seeking out different kinds of doctors, and the healthcare system will eventually shift to support that. You know, it, it, I don't know how fast it will be because it's a behemoth of a sick care system. Uh-huh. Um, but I do, you know, the fact that acupuncture and chiropractic are now being covered by insurance in a lot of places—that's that's a great first step. Um, And I think health insurance companies are going to be aware that, you know, start to see the evidence that they'll actually save money by supporting some of these preventative or alternative therapies.
0: I think also um, from a financial perspective, maybe employers recognizing that all the things that you talk about in your film that is good for health and healing, even from serious diseases, are also the same things that enhance performance and creativity yes. and productivity in the workplace, so to speak. So maybe we need to get at this change from many different angles. Totally. In schools too, like kids behave better when they meditate and they're eating non-inflammatory foods and they can learn better and they don't cause a ruckus in the classroom, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I would love, I mean, that's the, the studies coming out about mindfulness In being taught to, you know, first graders and second graders in kindergarten, like that's like violence goes down and attendance goes up. I mean, it's just there's no reason why we shouldn't start to kind of evolve the education system and put those in, you know. And then food obviously is a huge, huge effect on the brain chemistry of these kids, you know, and cafeteria food is less than... Less than clean <laughs> in most places. So, yeah, these little shifts and it could make huge, huge ripples. So,
0: so are you, are you transitioning into any kind of adjacent next passion project related to this documentary journey? Um,
1: I'm writing the heel book now because they, you know, it's kind of like the secret. They're like, oh, okay, this is the, people are going to want the support book, um, which is cool because I, I love writing. I've always wanted to write um so i'm doing that now and then yeah you know a lot of opportunities are coming and i'm analyzing uh them as far as 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 time and and passion you know this was such a strong calling in my heart that it was like okay but now i kind of you know just want to like allow some space and see which opportunity resonates so that i can have that same fire to follow through follow you know follow through mm. But yeah, definitely something in in this in this world for sure.
0: Beautiful. And what does your husband think about the film? He's so
1: proud. It's so cute, you know. Um he's proud. He's really, he's really happy for me.
0: Mm. Is he a health nut too? He
1: is, he is. You know, he's not um he's he's a genius mind in in his world. And he thinks so far outside the box, and he's just He's really enlightened, but he, he's not the kind that can articulate it or really break it down or talk about it. But he just, he, I mean, he's like one of the most forgiving people I've ever met. I mean, the, in the financial world and cutthroat and people are, you know, he's forgiven some incredible things. And so, and he, again, like the mistakes, he always sees the bigger picture. He doesn't dwell on the past, which a lot of us do, which, you know, keeps that. Those emotions (laughs) trapped within us, Uh, Uh, he lets things go really. So he's he's really enlightened. He he loves to eat healthy and work out, Um, but again he he relies on me to like do the research and present it to him because he just doesn't have the time or the passion to do it himself. He just doesn't understand like okay the whole diet diet thing. But he knows like he knows that I will do the vetting. You know what I mean? So he's great. But he works out every day. He's yeah. He likes to be healthy. He likes to stay young.
0: I was listening to, in preparing for this interview, I was listening to your interview with Dave Ashfree. Uh Uh-huh. And I love this story. Would you give us a quick recap of the story about meeting your husband and... your romance and how gratitude journaling was part of that. I was, oh, it so moved me that story. Ah,
1: Thank you. I, I have yet to go back and listen to that podcast, but, um, it was a big hit with a lot of people. So that's, I think that story, it's just a really cool story. So, um, I hope he doesn't mind that I'm sharing it. (laughs) Um, so I met my husband eight years ago and he was kind of uh, at the tail end of his bachelor phase, you know, he had been married before, had kids, and it was, and he'd been working s- his whole life to build his business. Um, and so now he was kind of at an age and post divorce where he's like, all right, I'm going to have a little fun, you know, date the younger girls and whatever. So I met him, took to him right away. I loved his story, I loved his spirit, and uh, kind of fell in love right away. And then he kind of like, got back together. We dated for a while and then he got back together with an ex who was quite a bit younger than I am. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, you know, and we, we maintained a friendship and we got to know each other through various work things. And I stayed in his orbit as a really close friend, but I was still secretly in love with him. And so I have this gratitude journal practice and I didn't just do it, you know, about him, but I would write down every day and it's kind of a fun way. It makes you feel good. It's a way of using your mind and imagination in a proactive, constructive way. A lot of us ruminate on the worst-case scenario or on a past that we regret and we're shamed about. Or mm-hmm. uh, and and instead, we can the, the the body doesn't know the difference between what's happening in reality or what's or if it's just in our imagination. So using your mind in a constructive, positive way by imagining what it is you want and feeling the feelings and using your senses, like how it would feel, smell, you know, touch, taste, and spending a few minutes a day doing that, your body is having those like positive chemical effects. And you start to vibrate on that frequency, which then brings those kinds of experiences into your life. So I love the gratitude journal process. So I sit there and I give thanks for things that I want, as if I already had them, you know, it's kind of a trick you play on the universe, but it works for me. And now, nowadays I give, I, I kind of mix in things that I, that are actually reality. Like, you know, I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for this beautiful house I live in. I'm grateful for, you know, whatever it is that is actually reality. And then I mix it in with things that I want as if I already have them. So for instance, I, you know, one of it, I wanted to be Financially free, you know, and so I started to think of the things that I love to do. Like, I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm able to travel to Europe twice a year and stay at a five star hotel. Um, I'm so happy and thankful now that I'm able to afford massages every week, you know, once a week. Um, Different things like that, just experiences of life. And it just, it's fun to kind of like fantasize about it. And so when he went back to his ex girlfriend, I took you know, the qualities, I wasn't fixated on, on him, you know, but I, I, I've, I've took the qualities that he had that I loved. And I said, I'm so happy that I'm with a guy that is this, 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 and this. And then I took the the qualities that I didn't much like about him. Like his attention was, he was not adoring me at the time. And he was not, um, you know, he was, he was focused on younger girls or whatever. He so I I was I took the the opposite of those qualities. I was like I I, I you know I'm so happy and grateful that I'm with a guy who's this 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 and this who adores me respects me um, is honest and faithful and and all of these things. And I just I came up with this dream quality of 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 things um, based on my experience. And it's just like observing life, taking the qualities that you like about someone. Uh Taking the qualities you don't like and then picking the opposite thing and then creating this perfect person that I was just convinced I was going to attract into my life. And the interesting thing is, you know, after doing that and kind of playing with it and focusing on it for six months or so, a few months, three to six months, I can't remember how long, he actually became that list. So he energetically, that my gratitude work, because for whatever the reason I was meant to be with him... He actually stepped up and became that person that I wrote on paper, which is really, really cool. You know, so now a lot of people are having trouble with their relationship and um, or a job, and I just I say, look, one of two things are going to happen: either you energetically are going to shift your partner or your job situation to grow up into what it is that you are holding space for, or you're going to attract something new and even better into your life. So just be, you know, but focus on what it is that you want and, and, and look at your experience and go, Oh, I wish this was different and don't dwell on the negative. Just go, okay. So what's the opposite of that? What do I really want? And then just start focusing on that ideal situation or relationship or whatever, because it worked for me. I, I think, you know, I think it's pretty powerful and, you know, I think it works for other people too.
0: What a beautiful story. You know, so, I mean, we can say all the negative experiences of life is just to reflect to us what we really prefer. Yes. Let's clarify what we really want in our heart and soul and then go for it. Yes, exactly. That's That's the moral of this beautiful story that I gathered.
1: Yeah. Don't be a victim. Just go, okay, this is giving me information of what I don't want. So what is it that I do want? And let's focus on that.
0: Yeah. And then you water the seeds of that that already existed. Mm-hmm. and allowed it to blossom. Yeah, it's really cool. Before I ask our last question, how can people find you and follow all, all the beautiful work, not just the film, but all the surrounding projects? Yeah,
1: um, that's a good question. Uh, you can go to healedocumentary.com and put in your email to be on our mailing list and then you can find out about all sorts of cool, you know, exciting events around the the Heal documentary. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Heal Documentary. I'm also on Facebook um, at Kelly Noonan Goris' page, I believe. You can search me. Um, on Instagram, I'm Kelly Goris, G-O-R-E-S, and yeah, that's how you can keep up with all the the goings on. Um, Heal the Documentary is on iTunes and Amazon, um, and Vimeo. And you can just go to our website, healed and you can click purchase or rent, and it'll take you to either Amazon or iTunes and where you can get it or order the DVD.
0: Wonderful. And when's the book going to come out? Hopefully if I stop procrastinating,
1: (laughs) um, I'm sure like hope, you know, end of the year, early next year. Yeah
0: beautiful i can't wait to read it thank you so our last question is a big one as you know the show is about exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities what is the one single biggest piece of advice you have for our audience as we journey into our next level of human possibilities what's the one biggest advice tip or strategy or gift that you'd like to give us
1: I love I you know Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about it in his in his teachings. Now he just wrote a book, um, becoming supernatural. Yeah. He he talks about you know exercising our mind to go beyond what we think is possible. So you know we have these kind of societal and cultural.
0: Oh uh, yeah, there it is. I'm getting going through it right now myself. Yeah.
1: Um, so we have these societal kind of parameters and conditioning and beliefs of what is possible or not. Mm-hmm. And I just encourage everybody to keep pushing beyond, go, go 10% beyond what, what is accepted as possible. Keep exercising that muscle and that vision of beyond possibility. You know, don't, If you have this passion in your heart, don't take no for an answer. Like I always love this powerful example of Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile. You know, it was just, you know, or the earth is flat, you know, until you discover that it's not, it's, you know, people label it impossible. But Roger Bannister, you know, he was determined to break the four minute mile and he finally did because no one thought it was humanly possible to run faster than four minute mile. And within like three months, 20 other people broke it too, because he had broken that, shattered that paradigm, shattered that belief. So to really you know, if you catch yourself limiting, you know, yourself or going, I can't do that, or that's not possible, go question, you know, is it possible? Start to open, start to exercise that muscle and and see what creative solutions come, you know, like I just, ref- that we live as Jonas Spencer says, we live in a world of infinite possibility, you know, um, if a doctor gives you a prognosis, they have zero, they're, they're going on. Like there's so much more is possible than that one um, scenario or that average common scenario. So go beyond what's possible, break, shatter the limits, shatter the paradigm, break your four minute mile, and uh, you'll, you'll be amazed at what kind of unfolds.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for that amazing conversation, Kelly. There was a lot for us to noodle on. And if you guys love that conversation, I encourage you to go back through and re-listen because we talked about so many amazing things. And of course, now I think you guys understand why I'm so crazy excited about Kelly's documentary. If you haven't watched it yet, I know you'll love it. It'll be well worth every moment of your time to watch it. I watch it... Three times, and I'm excited to keep watching it again and again. It's such an epically beautiful documentary. Thank you for doing this work in the world, and thank you on behalf of all of my patients and my community for all the inspiration and healing that you have created in their lives. Thank you yeah. so much.: Thank
1: you, and thank you to all of your community as well. and um, you're amazing, you're a light, your energy just like is infectious, and uh, you're a, I just I love your book. And wow, yay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just so aligned with the film. So, thank you for all the work you're doing, and I uh, hope to meet you in person soon.
0: Thank you. Hi, friends. Did you love that interview? If you did, please leave a review and share with all your friends so that many more people can benefit from these game changing insights. You can also go onto our website, DrEdithUbuntu.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive free trainings and next-level ninja tools that we only share on our newsletter. Together, let's turn your life into a brilliant masterpiece.